Chapter Thirty Three of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Three, The Canyon of the Falling Wall. Laramie, after disposing of his prisoners, had ridden north with less of a hunted feeling experienced every time he mentally inventoried the rocks commanding the trail the boulders looming ahead of him and the cottonwoods through which he wound his way along the creek bottoms and when at length he looked across turkey creek he was not surprised to see his cows straying down the hills toward their own range even the bitter sight of the ruins of his cabin bore upon him less now that he had put van horn actually in jail for the trick you can't keep him there long tennyson had cynically warned him i've put the mark on him if he's only there overnight had been laramie's reply he'll be a long time explaining and i want you to notice harry with all the fighting they've put me to they've never got me locked up yet not for a second i guess for that he added reflecting i ought to thank my friends never so much as that day had he realized how every aspect of his situation as he viewed it was colored by the thought of kate doubleday if he were determined that despite any intrigue worked against him he would never be locked up alive on a trumped-up charge it was chiefly because of the disgrace of such a thing in her eyes if he avoided opportunities now of finishing with van horn he knew it was chiefly because of her she would probably never see that finish but she would hear the story of it from his enemies laramie was not at any time thinking merely of being justified in the last resort nor of the justification of his friends which would any case be his but what would kate think yet he knew what was ahead of him he knew what lay in the end of the trail he and van horn were traveling lawing as sleepy cat contemptuously termed it was the least of it all and the most futile yet in thinking of the other her judgment was what he dreaded this bore on him and perplexed him it had more than all else put two little vertical furrows between his eyebrows they were there often of late suppression of the feeling that had always and irresistibly drawn him toward her had only intensified this worry his pride had suffered at her hands yet he made excuses for her he had no high opinion of himself of his general reputation and had built dreams on the fanciful imagining that she should despite everything some day like him he wearied his brain in recalling a chance expression of her eyes that could not have been unfriendly an inflection of her voice that might have carried a hope if only their paths had been less crossed and his pride despite rebuffs sought her as a moth seeks a flame it drew him to her and kept him from her for he lacked for the first time in his life the boldness to stake everything on the turn of a card and ask kate to marry him Simmerall had told him that John Fryingpan saw the cabin burning, and Laramie rode up to his place on the reservation to talk with him. 
Failing to find him at home, Laramie left word with his wife and turned south. It was then late. The trail had taken him high up in the mountains, and he made up his mind to ride over to the old bridge, stay for the night, pick up the few things he had left there, and take them over to Cimarron's in the morning. Night had fallen when, riding in easy fashion, he reached the rim of the canyon and made his way from foothold to foothold until he came to an open ledge with grass and water for his horse near the abutment. Leaving him in this spot, Laramie, carrying his rifle, climbed by a zigzag footpath up a hundred feet to the shelter and rolled himself in a blanket for the night. He woke at what he believed to be near midnight. The night was cold, and he began to think about something to eat. With the aid of a candle, he found bacon cached under a crevice in a baking powder can near his bunk, and found some splinters of wood. These he lay for an early breakfast fire and wrapped himself again in his blanket. He had closed his eyes for another nap when a sound arrested his attention. It was the rumbling of a small piece of rock tumbling into the canyon. Nothing was more common than for fragments, great and small, of the splintered canyon walls to loosen and start in the silence of the night. As mountain trees withstand the winter winds only to fall in summer calms, so it seemed as if the masses of rock that hung poised on the canyon rim through countless storms chose the stillest hour of the stillest night to ride like avalanches the headlong slopes, plunge over dizzy cliffs and crash and sprawl in dying thunders from ledge to ledge into the river below. All these noises, big and little, were familiar to Laramie's ears. He could hear them in his sleep without losing the thread of a dream. But the echo of a single footstep would bring him up sitting. The sound that now caught his attention had a still different effect. Listening, he lay motionless in his blanket with every faculty keyed. Had a man at that moment stood before him reading his death warrant, he could not have been more awake. The noise was slight, only a small fragment of rock had fallen, and the echoes of its journey were lost almost at once. It was the beginning of the sound that he was thinking of. The noise had not started right. He thought of the four-footed prowlers of the night, and as a cause eliminated them one after another. He thought of his horse below. It was not where such a sound could start. But always slow to imagine a mystery when a reason could be assigned, Laramie, lying prone, was brought back every time to his first instinctive inference. Numberless times when tramping the canyon walls, his foot slipping before he recovered his balance had dislodged a bit of loose rock. He knew that sound too well, and it was such a sound he had just heard. Behind the sound, he suspected, there was a man. He tried long to reason himself out of the conviction, for an hour he lay perfectly still, waiting for some further alarm. There was none, and the night was never stiller. Nor was there any haste, even if it should prove the worst, about meeting the situation. 
He was caught not like a rat in a trap, but like a man in a blind canyon, with ample means of defense, and none of escape except through a gauntlet. No enemy could molest him where he lay, but he could not lie there indefinitely, and with little ammunition and scarcely any food or water, he had no mind to stand a siege. If his enemies had actually discovered his retreat and put a watch on him, he must in any event wait for the first peep of daylight. The one chance of escape lay down and not up, and the descent of the canyon was not to be made in complete darkness. A moon would have been a godsend. It would have made things easy, if such a word could be used of the situation. But there was no moon. Acting on his premonition as if it had been an assurance, Laramie, at the end of a long and silent vigil, rolled out of his blanket to save his life if he could. He lighted his breakfast fire and fried his bacon unconcernedly. He could neither be rushed nor potted, and if there was a touch of insolent bravado in his seeming carelessness, he was well aware that while the appetizing odors of a good breakfast would not tantalize an enemy believing himself master of the situation, it would make him believe he had taken the quarry unawares. Below he felt that all was safe. No one without passing him could possibly reach his horse. By the time the eastern sky warned him of the coming dawn, he had crawled to the edge of the abutment to look down and estimate his chances for dropping to the narrow ledge on which it stood footed. Then he crawled noiselessly toward the overhead break through which Kate had plunged. The sky was alive with stars. Worming his way close to the opening, he lay for a time patiently scrutinizing the rocks commanding the abutment from above. One of these long vigils disclosed, he fancied, against the sky, the outline of a man's hat. To satisfy himself if it were one, Laramie picked up a chip of rock and flung it down the canyon wall. The suspicious object moved. Laramie slowly took up his rifle, and leaning forward raised it to his shoulder. Against the eastern sky the man's head made a perfect target. It was close range. Laramie covered the hat low. The bullet should penetrate the brim just where it covered the forehead. His finger moved to press the trigger before he thought further. Then he hesitated. It seemed on reflection like murder, nothing less. He did not know the man, though he was no doubt an enemy who had come either to kill him or to help kill him, and to his natural repugnance to blowing off the top of an unknown man's head, even in constructive self-defense, there was the thought of another's view of it. This might, after all, be merely a Texan acting as a lookout. It was even possible, though improbable, that it might be Barb himself and if the man were not alone, less would be gained by killing him. The rifle came down from Laramie's shoulder as slowly as it had gone up. He made immediate disposition for his escape. Retreating noiselessly from the opening, he found his blanket, cut from it four strips, knotted these into a rope, 
and creeping to the face of the abutment lowered his rifle ammunition belt and revolver down to the footing some twenty feet below where they hung in darkness for himself there was nothing but to drop after his accoutrements at one point the horizontal footing ledge below jutted out in a blunt tongue something like six feet this tongue was where he must land elsewhere the ledge narrowed to only a foothold for a sober man already on it laramie found an old mackinaw of hawks put it over his coat and padding his back under it with the pieces into which he tore a quilt strapped the mackinaw tight and returned to look over the ledge he thought he knew precisely where the tongue lay but wanted a little daylight to dispel any misgiving about letting go at a point where he might drop two hundred feet instead of twenty from the abutment the depths of the canyon looked in the half-light pretty black but its recesses hid no terrors of sentiment for laramie fairly serene and stuffed in his baggy mackinaw he lay for a few minutes flat on his stomach peering over the edge far below he could hear the rush of the river day was racing toward the mountain tops and diffusing its reflected light into their recesses the rock tongue below outlined itself faintly in an almost impenetrable gloom waiting no longer laramie with a careful handhold let himself down over the face of the abutment and hung for an instant suspended loosening one hand he swung sideways and threw back his head the fingers of the other hand straightened by his weight let go falling like a plummet one of his heels smashed into the rocky gravel and he struck the ledge on his back with such instinct as the swift drop left him he threw himself toward the canyon wall when he landed and shocked though he was tried to rise he could not get a breath much less move his mind remained perfectly clear but the fall left him momentarily paralyzed his efforts to regain his breath to make himself breathe were astonishingly futile and he lay annoyed at his helplessness it seemed as if minute after minute passed listening he heard sounds above daylight was coming fast and every ray of it meant a slenderer chance of escape to his relief his lungs filled a little soon they were doing more he found he could move he turned to his side and beginning life over again crawled on hands and knees to where his belt revolver and rifle hung suspended he stood up got out of the mackinaw adjusted his belt and revolver and with his rifle resting across his forearm looked around he was battered and had a stinging ankle but stood with legs and arms at least usable listening he tiptoed as fast as he could to the narrow footpath leading into the canyon and turning a corner of the rock wall hastened down to where he had picketed his horse this trail was not exposed from above but when he reached his horse and got stiffly into the saddle his problem was less simple to get out of the tremendous fissure in which he was trapped from above laramie had one trail to follow 
this led for a hundred feet in an extremely sharp descent across the face of a nearly vertical canyon wall that flanked the recess where the horse had been left this first hundred feet of his way down to the river so steep that it was known as the ladder was all that caused laramie any uneasiness it was commanded every foot of the way from the abutment above making all possible haste laramie headed his horse stealthily for the ladder he knew he had lost the most precious juncture of the dawn in lying paralyzed for some unexpected moments after his drop it was a chance of war and he made no complaint indeed as he reached the beginning of his trail and peered downward he realized that he needed daylight for the perilous ride to take it slowly would be child's play for him but would leave him an easy target from above to ride it fast was to invite a header for his horse and himself one misstep would send the horse and rider bolting into space how far it was to the river through this space laramie felt little curiosity in figuring but it could hardly have been less than two hundred and fifty feet there was no time for much thinking the trail must be ridden and the sooner and faster the better he struck his horse lightly the horse jumped but not very far ahead again laramie used his heels and again the frightened beast sprung as little as he could ahead a stinging lash was the only reward for his caution if horses think laramie's horse must have imagined himself backed by a madman and under the goading of his rider the beast quivering with fear peered at the broken rocks below and sprang down among them concealment was no longer possible like a man heading into a hailstorm laramie crouched to the horse dropped the reins low on the beast's neck and clinging close made himself as nearly as he could a part of the animal itself the trail was five to six feet wide but the descent was almost headlong and down it the horse urged by his rider sprang in dizzying leaps where the footing was worst laramie tried to ease his frantic plunges stricken with terror the beast caught his breath in convulsive starts and breathed in grunting snorts halting and bucking in jerky recoveries leaping from foothold to foothold as if every jump were his last and taking on a momentum far beyond his own or the rider's control the frightened horse dashed recklessly ahead it was as if a great weight bounding on living springs were heading to bolt at length against the sheer rock wall across the canyon half the distance of the mad flight and the worst half was covered when a rifle cracked from the top of the abutment laramie felt a violent blow on his shoulder there was no possible answer there could be no more speed no possible defense the race lay between the rifle sights covering him and the four slender hoofs of the horse under him ten yards more were covered and a second rifle shot cracked crisply down the canyon walls laramie thought it from a second rifle the bullet spat the wall above his head into splinters they were shooting high he told himself and only hoped they might keep trying to pick him off the horse and let the horse's legs alone 
None knew better than he exactly what was taking place above. The quick alarm, the fast-moving target in the gloomy canyon, the haste to get the feet set, the rifle to the shoulder, the sights lined, the moving target followed, the trigger pressed. It was a madman's flight. As one or other of the rifles cracked at him, Laramie threw himself back in the saddle. With his hat in his hand, his arm shot straight up, and pointing toward the abutment, he yelled a defiant laugh at his enemies. In an instant the hat was knocked from his fingers by a bullet, but the springing legs under him were left untouched. The trick for the rider now was, even should he escape the bullets, to check the flight of the horse before both shot over the foot of the ladder into the depths. Laramie threw his weight low on the horse's side next to the canyon wall, and spoke soothingly into his ear as his arms circled the heaving neck. And on the rim of the precipice, high above, two active men, bending every nerve and muscle to their effort, stood with repeating rifles laid against their cheeks, pumping and firing at the figure plunging into the depths below. End of chapter 33